Just may we continue just to have our focus on the on the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. Now the Lord's Supper that the Apostle Paul gave it that name or that description. Did did I put First Corinthians eleven twenty on there? Yeah, this is what he said. That this as he was there and he was actually admonishing the Corinthian church for the way they were participating in this and and he said this, therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? And so that's where we get Lord's Supper from. And and he was getting on to him because, and you've heard, we've talked about it before, they were coming together and just having a pretty much a drunken feast. And Paul's reminding them, why are you gathering? Why are you gathering? You're not coming together to eat the Lord's Supper? And perhaps a question that we need to ask ourselves, why are we here? Why are we here? And I pray that we could answer, especially today, to participate. A participation in, in, in the elements of the Lord's Supper. That's why we're here today. So let, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, as, as we come to Your Word, as we consider just remembering the songs that we just sang and talking about the blood of Christ and about a blessed hope. And Lord, may we help us, just cause us to remember what Christ has done and the depths of what Christ has done. So Lord, help us. Take us and let us have a scene of that upper room. Let us have just a vision of, of Christ in that, in those last hours and, and what he was teaching his dis- disciples. Let, let us have just a glimpse of, of the suffering and the pain that he endured and, and of the great love in loving us and the great love that he had for you to accomplish your will that by His death He may bring many sons and daughters to You, Father. So, Lord, help us to see that. Refresh us anew. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's begin by reading 1 Corinthians 11, just a couple verses down from there. uh, Verse 23 through 26. I I know I've said this before, and, and, and I know that you've been coming... To church here for quite some time. No, we read this particular passage every communion Sunday. The Apostle Paul. See, though, though he wasn't there in the upper room with the other disciples, the Lord gave him a glimpse, didn't he? The Lord confirmed to Paul what had happened on that night in that upper room. And here Paul talks about it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So 
For us, the Lord's Supper is a time of remembering. And it's a time of proclaiming. Remembering His body broken for us, remembering the blood that was shed on our behalf, and then proclaiming to the world His death on the cross till He comes or until we go to be with Him. As I was considering having thoughts for for today, the, the part that kept sticking out to me was this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. And you know, again, when, when I get talking about the new covenant, we're probably going to Hebrews. And, and so, so let's go there. Let's go to Hebrews 8. It's going to be talking of the old covenant and then of the entrance of the new covenant brought to us through Jesus Christ. And as a lyric of that one song we sing, Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. It is. And and I don't know, I may read these verses every communion Sunday. And, and if I do, that's okay. Because just to be reminded over and over and over again of what Christ has done. So let's go to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. We're going to be reading a lot today. Hebrews 8. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. Hebrews 8, 7 through 13. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, and then this is quoting from Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them. That's, that's powerful words. They did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I will make a new covenant. See, who, who the Lord draws to Himself and He writes on their heart, they all come. Everyone he calls will come. But why? Because he writes on their heart. And born again believers, is that not what he did for us? He called us. And he wrote upon our heart. He forgave our sins, just like we read there. And he'll remember them no more. 
We, we, we sang songs. We talked about that last Sunday. He forgave our sins and He'll remember them no more. Let's go to Psalms 103. Just read that verse. You know it. 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from me. See, Christ came to remove our transgressions. To carry our sins to the cross. 1 Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once. That's very important. Once. The, the sacrifice of Christ does not have to be represented. As you know as well as I do, there is a, I don't know what I want to call it, denomination or religion or that believes that 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 is on the table is representing the blood of Christ. No, no, no. What's what's it say here? For Christ also suffered once for sin. Not to be nailed to a cross again. Once. A perfect sacrifice. For Christ also suffered once for sin. The just for the unjust. He was the just one. We were the unjust. That he, why? That he might bring us to God. See, there's Christ the, the mediator the mediator between man and God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. See, Christ died the atonement, the payment for sin. Because there had to be a payment made, didn't there? There had to be, a, there's a cost. What's the penalty of sin? We ask this often as well. What is it? It's death. It's death. In Romans six twenty three. Let's remind ourselves, for the wages, the cost, of sin is death, but, say so here's the glorious thing, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages, the cost of sin is death. The law of God demanded that a sacrifice for sin must be made. Then I'll go ahead and ask this question that you know the answer to. So who has sinned? Everybody. Everybody. Romans 3 verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Some may say, but I, but I'm good. I'm a pretty good person. I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't do a lot of, I'm pretty good. I think if you put the scales on there, I uh, do more good than, than bad things. Doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter. There's none righteous. You cannot do enough good things to earn your righteousness. You cannot. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, if you die in that same position that you were born in, Brian read it this morning, ultimately, lake of fire. So this sacrifice was to be a blood sacrifice. And we're going to read uh, in Hebrews 9. Let's go to Hebrews 9. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It must be a blood sacrifice. Hebrews 9, verses 19 through 22. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of 
of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all, and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Uh, remission of sin. But Christ came. Christ came. And we we have to back up in Hebrews 9 to verses 11 through 14. I wanted to, wanted to read that other first and, and then get this. Uh, 11 through 14. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. And, and to know that He is our great high priest, that's important too, isn't it? But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And again, let me pause there. I know I point this out a lot. But to know that He is our great high priest, and the high priest once a year would go into the Holy of Holies and offer that perfect blood sacrifice upon the mercy seat. And here we have Jesus Christ who came as our high priest to go into the, tore the veil. Gone in, gone in and gave his own blood upon the mercy seat. That, that's, that's amazing. But with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Let's keep reading. Let's go to Hebrews 10. So we're going to get the trifecta. We've got Hebrews 8, 9, and 10 today. Now let's go verse 8. We're going to read another big chunk here at verse 8 through 23. Hebrews 10, 8 through 23. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Who, who, who came to do the will of God? Jesus Christ. He takes away the first, the first what? So I, I think this is covenant. He takes away the first that he may establish the second, the new covenant. By that will, what will? We've been talking about God's will, the will of God. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins. But this man, this Jesus, this Redeemer, this Savior, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, you say, you just read that. Well, that was in a different chapter, wasn't it? So if you hear something twice, what do you think? You think if, if, if Scripture mentions something over and over and over again, there, there's some importance there? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. I'm glad to hear that again. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to hear that. Verse 18, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his, Christ's flesh, and having a high priest, who is our high priest? That's Jesus Christ. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. See, we have a hope. We have a hope. We have a full hope. And, and we can draw near uh, with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. See, there's that hope. Hope, hope, hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. <laughs> and now, because he has entered through the veil, we enter through Christ. We enter through Christ. Because <laughs> he is the way. He is the way. John fourteen six. If, if you were thinking of that verse that, and you didn't remember where it was, John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus provided a new and living way, a new covenant. Praise his holy name. <laughs> Matthew twenty six twenty eight. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That's why it came. That's why it came. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, are there those that are hanging on to tradition? Oh, yes. They're banking their eternity on tradition. Did you know that? That's not how we're redeemed. Not by purchasing our way. Not by holding fast to a tradition of man. Verse 19. We are redeemed. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, it's by the blood of the new covenant that we're justified to God. It's all because of what Christ did in Romans 3, verse 24 through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent forth as a propitiation, a payment, a ransom, 
whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. By grace we are saved through faith. I'm going to start at the beginning again. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because of His forbearance, God had passed over all passed over the sin that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Justified freely by His grace. By His grace. See, we're reconciled to God. We're made righteous before God by the blood of Jesus. And we can stand before God Holy, acceptable, and above reproach because of the blood of Jesus, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He, for God the Father, made Him, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of of God in Him. Let's let's read a couple more passages. Let's go to Romans 5, verses 1 through 9. And then we're going to read a passage in, in Titus. Romans 5, 1 through 9. Therefore, having been justified by faith, see that this is for the born again, this is the redeemed. See, someday when we get past Romans 2 and 3, we're going to be on, on, on this. We're going to be on verses like this. Say, Everybody's hoping, well, let's hurry up and get there, right? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, child of God, you should be rejoicing in these verses. For when we were still without strength in due time, <laughs> in due time, in just the right time, in God's perfect timing, you see. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. So when we read verses and we talk about being saved, and I said, saved from what? Well, there it is. Saved from wrath. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, the love of God, the love of God 
that was poured out in our hearts. Let's go to Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. How? (laughs) Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. In this the love of God was manifested, was made real, was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 Corinthians 11 Verse 23 through 26. Let's read it one more time. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we we consider your great love, as we consider the gift of your only begotten Son, as we consider the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, We consider the power of the resurrection. Lord, I pray that every born-again believer will be overwhelmed with thanksgiving of recognizing where you have brought us from. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet your enemy, Christ died for us. And in due time, you open our eyes that we might see you, that we might see our sin, and that we might see the rescue of Jesus Christ upon a cross. And Lord, I pray, should there be someone, even here today, or someone who may listen to this sermon at another time, if they are yet lost, they are yet in their sin, I pray, Lord, have mercy. Lord, open their eyes. Shine light into a dark place. Reveal yourself in a mighty way. And upon seeing your righteousness and your holiness, their sin will be revealed. And they will fall before you. And Father, show them the rescue. Show them there is forgiveness in you. And through the blood of Christ, help them to see Christ and his forgiveness. 
And Lord, grant them faith that they may believe. And grant them repentance that they may repent of their sin and turn from their wicked ways and turn and follow you and your word. So Father, as we even come now to the to this table with the bread and the juice, help us to remember. Help us to remember. As Christ said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And it's in Christ's name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Amen.